welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Vasca, and today I'm reporting back with an interview with Mickey Keating, the director of Off Season, premiering at South by Southwest 2021. I'm very interested in this story because it's kind of an interesting mother-daughter story, as well as being Southern Gothic and... Uh, uniquely isolated for this particular moment. And I'm very interested to talk to you about it. Well, please, yes. Any question you have. Yes. (laughs) So first of all, in terms of your inspiration for the film, I understand that you took a lot of vacations in Florida by the beach, and that was part of your inspiration for this. Is that correct? Well, I grew up in Florida, probably an hour or so out away from this little beach town. But, you know, growing up there, it's like, there's, in Or I, I lived in Orlando, I watched a ton of movies, but like, you're, you're, that's all I did pretty much. But you're like, well, what do we do? Let's go to the beach, right? You know, uh, especially during the off season. And so growing up, you know, I just have these distinct memories of being little and being in these empty towns that are like meant for tourists to be there and just that feeling of creepiness. And so, yeah, it was really kind of a, a, of a, a weird experience growing up, you know, that I took for granted, but it somehow infected my, my mind. And it's been sitting there for a decade at this point uh, of that, using that as a setting. So I uh, convinced everyone to, <laughs> to, to come down there and do it with me. <laughs> wow. And what an exciting time to be able to do it. I mean, literally, you crossed the bridge just in time oh, yeah. to make this movie. Right. Yeah. We, we got out and uh, COVID was snapping at our ankles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> salvation was at hand right yeah we uh, you know it's 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 funny to think about if the movie had been pushed a couple weeks we probably would have been shut down mid-production uh yeah. which really is you can go crazy thing about the what if scenarios of that but uh i feel very very lucky to have been able to do it in the time that it was made <laughs> yeah but one of the big themes that i also see within this movie given that it's the story of this mother and the daughter have this tenuous connection that you are never quite sure exactly how, I mean, it seems like there's dementia that she's been dealing with in there as part of the caretaking theme. Is that something that when you were working with Melora Walters that you wanted her specifically to play off of? Yeah, well, you know, I love the, I always love the idea and the uh, imagery of like, of a of a faded movie star of movie stars that you know you never you see someone like like Liz Taylor or, you know someone like Ava Gardner and then you never really think about like oh the behind the scenes of things like that and when I spoke to Melora early on it's like whatever this is that you're dealing with you know you still are the movie star in your mind and you're still performing always and I thought that that was a really fascinating kind of little character flourish that I would love to see someone like her explore because she is a movie star. And to me, she's been in so many of my favorite films. So she really took that and ran with it and kind of made it completely her own. But I just love that imagery of like, you know, gothic literature and things in decay, the idea of stardom falling away into what, you know, what ultimately becomes death, I suppose. Yeah, the Ms. Havisham and Norma Desmond in one. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. no, it's, it's lovely. And I think it works very well. And then to have also, you've got Jocelyn Donahue of House of the Devil in this space as well. And Mm -hmm. to have her interacting, again, you've got sort of this generational sense of distrust, both between 
what does my mother really want? What did she really mean? But then also this sense of distrust that you have within the town as well. Totally. And- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, I, and I'm very, I thought when Jocelyn and I first started talking about this, it's like, well, you know, this character, your character is inherently so tragic because you were born and raised within the shadow of, of your mother's movie stardom, right? And so you've never really known whether what she's saying to you is a performance or whether if she's acting or whether she's being sincere. Mm-hmm. And so that's why these things, these moments that these dark family secrets that suddenly come to life at the very last minute, it's traumatic. It's terrible for you. You're completely rocked by it because you're not sure whether something's a performance or whether you're being a bad daughter by even doubting that something's a performance. And so, yeah, playing. And I think Jocelyn is so brilliant at being able to play that, you know, that level of burden on herself so well. So that dynamic was definitely something that I was like, here, take it and and let's explain that more so than you just being a, a screaming frightened horror movie character if that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. And it's actually interesting because the mother is more of the screaming frightened horror movie character by far than <laughs> she sure. is. Yeah. And it's almost like she's more willing to buy the lie of the town because she's had these trust issues for so much of her life. Absolutely. You know, and I think there's something incredibly traumatic and troubling about this idea of saying I've known someone since I was born and I still don't know them and suddenly these things these weird loose ends that are coming to light after she's gone that I can't answer myself are, is inherently as horrific as as anything I can think of so that definitely was the effort there to to build that and and yeah on that point Melora totally you know she's like I have to play the wicked mother in these moments because I want the audience She's such a giving actor. She's like, I want the audience to sympathize with Jocelyn's character and be like, she's trapped in this island town for someone who was monstrous to her, you know? (laughs) And and, and it kind of added to that kind of element of just like Southern Gothic tragedy, I suppose. Yeah, but it's still such a sensitive and wonderful performance from her because you're never quite sure exactly how out of touch with reality she is. And then obviously toward the end, you realize her tragic fate as well. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was very kind of fun to explore and to be able to have two actors who are just great and they played off each other so well. And so I feel very lucky to have been able to, to, to get that into the film. And then I love your soundtrack. You came up with some wonderful, creepy, creepy ass songs. I have to know where you came up with some of these. The composer on the film, uh, Schaefer James, he is uh, a working musician first and foremost. And so it was really more so than like a career movie composer. So it was really thrilling to be able to give him this opportunity and say, go for it, you know, uh, draw all these inspirations from like what you sense from the movie. And then we, I had him do a cover of an old song, I'll See You in My Dreams, yeah. and then Turn Around, Look at Me, that plays during the car crash. I mean, I've been obsessed with that song for forever and um, my editor Valerie she really we were going to have it just playing on the radio but she really cut that whole sequence to that and so I had to beg Warner Warner Records to let me <laughs> use this song I wrote like a love letter note about it and fortunately we were able to to use it because there was no other option for songs that sequence was beautifully edited too oh so thank you I'll, I'll, really I'll let Val know she, she, yeah. I, she did it she was like 
go away for a second. Just let me figure this out. And so I, I went, uh, you know, into the other room and then she came back. She's like, watch this. And then I was like, oh God, it's perfect. We need this song or I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and it works so well within the confines of that moment. And then at the same time, you've got this wonderful, creepy imagery of the mannequins in the Museum of History. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like there is still that one Twilight Zone episode that will stay in my head forever. And I love that you After have Hours. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love yeah. that one. The abandoned mall. <laughs> yeah. I swear that will never leave my nightmares forever. But I loved that you had so many beautiful set pieces that seemed like homages to specific points of history and touchstones of horror. Yeah. Throughout. And I wondered how difficult was it for your production designing team to meet all of those expectations? You know, it's it's really funny. We were we were really, really lucky to that town, <clears throat> New Smyrna, uh, had never had a movie filmed there before. And so we were really lucky to be able to film in all these locations and just and build them out to an extent. And so I used a local production designer. Her name is uh, Sabrina Byron. And she works at the theme parks. She, you know, does a lot of set design for things like that. And so to be able to have someone come in who had these relationships with people locally who were able to bring this stuff in was really a, a tremendous, incredible value. And so, yeah, so half the stuff that you see in the movie, like the ruins and everything like that is just, you know, that was an old Florida sugar mill. So we were really able to just squeeze every bit of production value just naturally from that place, that whole empty town, they cleared that main street for us. It was really a, a surreal experience having like my own back lot to an extent. That's fantastic. And how did the town react to being basically called hell? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny because I hope that they enjoy the movie because I hope that that compared that town is beautiful and it's very idyllic. And I think when they see the film and, and if you go there, like because when I had the town that I had written based off my memories of it being, you know, a child going there was that it was very small. And since then, it's like it's become a pretty significant beach town. So we kind of had to conform the movie to make it seem more isolated than it actually was. Cause it's not too far. It's maybe like an hour away from Daytona or whatever. I see. You're that kind of director that everything has to fit your memories. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if she walked out of the, of the, <laughs> of the uh, restaurant and then there was a massive looming condo complex, I think that would have killed the vibe. Yeah, it probably <laughs> would have. I think you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it was, so I think that the people in the town would be like, okay, it's, it's different enough. It's dream world town. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy that, but I also really enjoy that confrontation that hell is the way you think about it, you sure. know, and, yeah. and putting that together with the theme of sacrifice is a very punky thing for you to do in this film. Yeah, you, you know, and also the idea of with Richard Brake's character, one person's hell is another person's heaven, and they hope that they can end up there one day. And I think that that's truly increasingly relevant. And really, you know, that's the effort that I, I wanted to kind of, especially with his character, leave a sort of question as to whether he's a villain or whether he's just sympathetic. Because when I pitched it to him, I was like, this is your version. You're sitting here waiting, serving for something you can't prove. This is your version of waiting for Gatto, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. who you are. <laughs> it's yeah. more tragic than villainous, I feel. Yeah. It's interesting, too. When I think about it, I feel like the way that everything breaks in this film 
if you just changed some of the imagery around, you could probably sell it as something completely different, maybe. Well, you know, I, I enjoy movies that make me think like, what does this mean? Like, what's this interpretation? What is what is this? I like movies that provide unanswered questions, but possibly contradictions. I think that's very fascinating. And especially you find that quite a bit in old literature, whether even Gothic literature, like the turn of the screw or something like that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, what I want people to take away from is as much of their own interpretations as anything else that I could tell them, you know? <laughs> so that's yeah. a thrill if someone says, I could switch around certain things and this could be relevant to this. That's the beauty of art, I feel like. Yeah. And you also have that kind of genre mashup in that you have those sequences that are the flashbacks that could come from any kind of movie, really. I mean, sure. not just in the horror genre, obviously. Yeah. Um, and and Melora and I, you know, her scream at the beginning, we were talking about Persona, you know, uh, we were talking about a lot of Bergman, uh, yeah. you know, and, and that's... That's as tragic and, and horrific as Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Cries and Whispers. I mean, like, that's kind of were those anchor points as comparatively. When she kept looking at the camera, I kept thinking Cries and Whispers, actually. Wow. <laughs> Great. Yeah, because I mean, that definitely was the touch point for sure. That's very interesting. And her face is just so expressive. She and Liv Ullman have that same characteristic. Oh, and you know, it's like, I, I think it was Cassavetes who said, it's like, there's no greater effect in cinema than the close up of an actor's face. And I really feel like that was the effort in the movie to have them talking to the camera and to really feel like they, she's addressing us. It's where this is our nightmare as much as, as it is Jocelyn's nightmare. Well, I want to thank you so much for putting this nightmare to all of us and giving us communal problems with our sleep. <laughs> well, thank you so much for watching it and for taking the time to talk to me. Well, thank you so much. And I wish you good luck at oh. South by Southwest and have a wonderful time in the virtual festival world. I hope it all goes well. Yes, I do too. I hope I hope that people watch it in, in, a, in a dark room. That's all I can ask for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not on teeny tiny phone screens. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, however, however they can, I've made peace with it. You know, everyone finds my movie somehow in some streamers. But yeah, please, you know, if tides turn, maybe one day this movie will play in a theater. And in the meantime, in a dark room, I beg you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. It's great talking to you. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening, and thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of land stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. 
and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Thank you.